Good morning. Welcome to Bonda New. Today, Thursday, the eighth. I'm correct, right? The eighth of October, twenty twenty. Let us just take a word of prayer. Father, our delight is that when we call upon you, you answer us. It's a privilege enjoyed by many, but not many understand the importance. Thank you for answering us. Thank you for taking time out to correct us. Thank you for growing us by your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, I am befuddled. Let me speak. I've been trying to speak English for some time. So one word entered my mouth, and that is befuddled. I am befuddled, which for those of us who are wondering, actually means confused. When English people want to confuse you even further, they will not use language, befuddled. This morning I am confused about the scripture to use because something happened to me. But before I get into that, let us read John chapter 16, only verse 7. John 16 verse 7 nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient which means it is beautiful it is the most profitable for you i think that's the right word it is most profitable for you that i go away for if i go not away the comforter will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you let me just share this before I get into that scripture and other scriptures arising from that. Yesterday, I, I was listening to a message. I've become tiresome. I'm tired of people using, um, should I call it uh, mystical language or let me just call it esoteric language to explain things that God desires that we receive by faith. When Paul is preaching, he's talking to Gentile people who are used to, quote and unquote, mythical, esoteric. Now, dwelling on what he says to push faith and then entering into the language, there's a tendency to get lost there. People get carried away with, with the understanding you think you are bringing by the language you are using. So Jesus has preached the attributes of God, for example. And this preacher was talking about the attributes of God. And one of the things he mentioned was wisdom. But before I started entering the interdimensional and whatever, whatever English, I clicked off. But that word, God, wait. You see, God is a God of wisdom. Mm -mm. God is wisdom. Exactly the point I was making. God is wisdom he is not god of wisdom you see that that esoteric language i'm talking about the multiple gods of rome multiple gods of the greek and then you enter into that ah, no 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 god is not a god of wisdom god is wisdom himself god is not a god of love god is love himself praise god now i switched off but concern well, because I do believe that whatever I hear, God allowed me to hear for a reason, right? 
because whether you like it or not, that is why I'm careful about hearing uh, gossip, about hearing news of the world. Whatever you hear will always shape the heart with which you receive. And the worst thing that can happen to you is to be limited in your receiving. That's the worst. I don't know what, because even your solution will come by what you hear. And if you don't hear properly, (laughs) two of the most amazing statements in the Bible by Jesus, who said we should not worry, is one, be careful what you hear. And secondly, be careful how, wait, remember seven attributes of God, good message, good message. But how you hear, too important. And I learned my lesson several years ago, 2003 precisely. Ekanka was preaching on the radio. I didn't come in the beginning. You know, there's a there's a word they used to start their message. In the beginning one of light, in the whatever, whatever of light. Now, if you if you are conscious of who they are and you hear that, you you instantly know who you are listening to. So but I came in the middle and they were talking about the Holy Spirit and you know, using words that the guy, sorry, the human being, not supposed to use guy online now, but the human being who was talking was very mellifluous. English is entering my mouth these days. What I mean by that is he was talking in a hypnotic way, you know, that gentle, undulating voice. And the thing was entering me. I just got caught in the middle of it and I was like, flowing until he said our perfect master jesus i clicked jesus is not a master because the word perfect master means somebody you aspire to become consequently killing off his godhood i cut off immediately i said what in god's name are these people talking about and i listened and they were talking about light after the asa. This is like I switched off immediately. Why? I don't want to be controlled. And that is how unbelievers hear words. Because most people who go to church are actually unbelievers. Sorry. They will make up your music department. Yes, even in the watchman. Sorry to say. I just don't like people lying to themselves. Now, they are not born again, and they are susceptible to the word. Now, imagine if they go where they are hearing interplanetary dimensional motif. Hello, the English minds tomorrow. Why do you think I went to brush up on my English? Now, but here's the point I'm making, and they are listening to that nonsense. That is what they will carry away with them. Then, the benefit of the word of God received only by faith, not by hearing good words, is lost. Are you understanding me? So, when I was going to bed, I said, but Lord, we need you as wisdom. I didn't quarrel with I wasn't caring about what the guy said. It's just the wisdom part that was coming to me. And wisdom is applied knowledge, right? And I said, Lord, where's the place of wisdom in pursuit of destiny? This, this not even destiny, this manifestation we are calling. Where is wisdom? How does one go about it is it not that you give instructions pertaining to the things being pursued hmm. it didn't answer me that night that was yesterday night just before i went to bed 
I kept waking up, but I was still drowsy, you know, so I didn't really pray. Kept going back to Bed Street. But around four, I woke up again. So I decided to sit down, not lie down. Still drowsy. And I wasn't really praying, but I just found myself singing one song. And that song, which I can't remember right now, is not necessary. I was mentioning him who is with me, who is by me, who is always in me. I can't remember the song right now, but that was the point. That's the part that got my attention. Immediately it got my attention, and God said to me, who is the Holy Spirit? I say he is you with us, in us. The Holy Spirit is actually Elohim. Elohim means God in man. Uh, what? You didn't know? Uh-huh. Now, now, I now explain. It's okay. What does he do? You know, that's the problem. What does the Holy Spirit do? Hmm. You think I'm setting you up? No, I'm asking you, of course. Mm-mm. I'm not asking rhetorically. I'm, I want to know. What does he do? How? To carry a bag of rice? Anything we ask him to do. Anything we ask him to do. He helps us in every aspect of our lives. Yes, yes, yes. That's beautiful. But I want to give you a clear picture of our relationship with the Holy Spirit that is the problem. Because God was answering that thought I had. Where where does what is the rule of wisdom? How do we access? And he said the Holy Ghost, right? Now listen to this. Jesus describes the Holy Ghost in John 16, 7 as the comforter. He does the same thing in John 14, 26, John 14, 16, John 15, 26, Luke 24, 49. All of them saying different things, by the way. The meaning of different things is what he does. But there was a principal word he kept using, and that word was comforter. Comforter in Hebrew means somebody who helps you to cry, you know, cries with you, helps you, um, you know, hangs around you. But comforter in New Testament means paraclete. Paraclete means one who is with you. Now, in 16, of chapter 14. He said he will, never, he will abide with you always, forever. Meaning he will never leave you. But he will be there, you will be committing blunder. So, where did he go? Nowhere. He was always there. Now, in order to be able to explain that, he, he, there are two, that, two things we can use to explain that. If you have a close friend, right, who helps you, counsels you, runs errands for you, right? You know, people who love you run errands for you. But you didn't inform them of what you were going through. You didn't ask their expertise. You didn't call them. They can't help you. Are they your friends? Did they stop being your friend? In fact, a good friend doesn't even leave you when you're in the blunder. Instead, they come to tell you how to get out of it. Then after they get you out of it, that's when they will start quarreling with you. I want you to mark that. But what do we do to the Holy Ghost? We don't talk. We don't tell him. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing we said was we pray. 
when you are praying, where is your attention? Mm, yeah, I know. Where? The God you are praying to, where is he? No, I'm being straight. Yeah, so when you are praying, your eyes turned where? And your own idea of heaven is the clouds. Mm-hmm. Do you get me? Which is also the reason, I'm coming, we're just, you know, talking. Why when you want to pray, you look for a special place. Pause. You're walking along the road. A thought comes to you. And you're like, hey, when I reach home today, I will pray. You're in the market. A thought comes to you. You're like, when I reach home today, I will do what? You're Abraham. You need an altar that you built somewhere. You must go to that altar, carry sheep and goats. For information, God always spoke to Abraham before he went to the altar. You see the madness of that nonsense? I need to get to my altar. Ah, I will so pray. But you have someone. I will use an illustration from the Bible to help you understand. And they were traveling down to go to, what's that his name, guy that died, Lazarus, right? And there was no record of Jesus going away to the mountain to pray. You know, people quote that scripture. And he went to the mountain. That's why they too go to the mountain. But the foolishness of their talk is that they don't understand that when he was in Peter's village, he went inside the bush. Why did he go inside the bush? Because the people around him will not let him pray quietly. Okay? So that's why they go to the mountain. These other human beings who go to the mountain. I'm not even interested in dealing with that right now, but I'll show you something. There was no evidence anywhere that he stopped to pray, right? But when he got to the tomb, he said, thank you because you hear me. When did he pray? While on the road. What did he say? Did he say, thank you because I prayed? Mm-mm. He said, thank you because I know you heard me. Past tense. I'm speaking out loud now because of the people around me that they may know that you heard me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did that connect to your brain? Which means at the very moment when the Holy Spirit brought an impression to your spirit, he wants you to talk to him about it. No, not walking around the market. Holy Spirit! Does everyone know you are praying? Let's quote Christ. Let's go back to Christ in the book of Matthew 6. No, 5. If you want to pray, enter your room. Is there actually a wardrobe where you can be quiet in your house? Exactly. So where is the wardrobe? Your mind. Can I show you a mystery? Do you know the whole, that Satan can't read your mind? He only reads the expression of your mind. When your mind is expressed, he knows, okay, this is what she's thinking. He doesn't know what you're thinking. Hoo-ha! Mm-mm. But you see, he knows man. What you have not expressed does not satisfy you. Mm-hmm. There we go. Until you verbalize, you are not satisfied that God heard. You see, because to you, God has ears full of water. So you sometimes you have to raise the volume so that they can hear what you are saying. So after you say it in your heart, you still look for a corner to go and shout it out. Am I correct? No, don't misunderstand. Try to understand me. God was answering the question. And what was the question? Where's the place of wisdom in manifestation of promise? In manifestation, actually, that's it. Manifestation of promise. 
Sometimes we confuse ourselves by trying to explain that we want to serve the Lord. You are serving God by manifesting his promise. What else did Israel do? Evangelize the world. And the apostles, if he didn't take them there, they didn't talk. They stayed in Jerusalem until persecution drove them. Because he will always find a way to get you to where you need to be. So stop this coconut-headed mentality of a servant and have the mentality of a son. Am I, am I talking? Now, but here is the major point of the matter. But the Holy Spirit is always there. Now, let me show you another scenario. Uh, before we get there, can we go to Luke 24? Luke 24. I'm going to be careful and make sure this is about Scripture. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endued with power from on high. Now, the word power in that scripture is what I want to talk about. It's dunamis. Men cannot contain dunamis. Dunamis is power without source. Let me help you. Let's, let's shrink everything said into a small group of words. Jesus said to them, wait for the Holy Ghost, right? Because when he comes, you will have... I don't want to quote myself. Can we go to Acts? I think Acts 1. But ye shall receive power. After that, did you hear that? You will have power. But only after, watch this. Watch. After the Holy Ghost. Why? Who you need is the Holy Ghost because he is the only one who can carry the power. I was mentioning in three days ago when I started that. There was a sister who came to sit near me and she said, I want to tap the anointing. I said, okay, of the man who sat there, but she said, no, of you. I said, no, I don't have anointing. And I wasn't joking. I don't. I don't need to be anointed. I have someone who is carrying the power. You didn't get that part. You are not to carry the power. There is someone comforter next to paraclete who follows you around everywhere he carries the power let me give you an example two ways to explain this let's say they call you for an interview right then you don't know anything please pay attention you don't know anything that's the key remember yesterday's message the key to unlocking the holy spirit's work in your life is to know nothing I came here this morning not knowing anything. I just knew what happened to me in the night. And I'm talking, right? To know nothing. Now, they called you for an interview, which you know nothing about. You read Agri, right? And they called you for a petroleum job, engineering, petroleum engineering. Normal thinking in churches, don't ever go there. But they saw your qualification, but they still called you for the interview. It should tell you something. Okay. The other day we were talking about skills and expertise, right? You can't attempt what you've never passed through before. What if they not call you for federal government contracts in the agri sector? 
And you don't know anything about it. You don't know how to get the products. You don't know their supply line. You don't know anything. I'm actually going to give you a valid example of what I'm saying, right? Now, but if you dare to go, dare to go, and you say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to go and say there. I don't know anything about this. He goes to work. Why does he go to work? Because the knowledge of petroleum industry is in his head. It's not in your head. Mm-hmm. The problem with human beings is we have this tendency of wanting to know. You remember? I've addressed it. What are you praying about? I want to know. You want the knowledge in your own brain, not in God's brain. I've had um, an experience of that. Mm. Before I left work, there was an interview I went for, promotion interview. In that panel, I was the, I was the fourth person. The first person was disqualified. He didn't have his original statement of the result. The second person, they asked a question, he could not answer. Me, I did not even know the question. But the, where I was sitting, before I, I entered the hall, I told the Holy Spirit, I said, just help me. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. He said, do you think I can help you? They asked the second person. The second person did not get it. So when they now asked me, I opened my mouth. What I said back to me, because I knew it did not come from me. After saying it, I was like, I did not, I wasn't, because I did not know it. Uh, All of them, the panel, they were like, ah, congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> when I came out, I went out, I was like, how did that thing come? You're not supposed to know. You see, Jesus know. gave us a, that's, the thing is blowing my brain. Jesus gave us a pattern. He said, when they call you before magistrates, and that is what I know that even if you're not a believer. Eh? No, that he wasn't talking to believers. You are not understanding me. He was not talking to believers because nobody had been born again when he uttered that statement. I'm sorry. I'm not an apologetic of the church. You will still go to hell because you don't have Jesus. But the principles work. And that's how the Gentiles are ruling us on earth. But let me show you a clear example. Matthew Ashimolo went to Zambia finish ministry in about the Holy Ghost. A young man, unemployed graduate of, is he, is he mechanical engineering or something? But not petroleum, was in, the, was in the meeting. And he told him, he said, the Holy Spirit can tell you anything you want to know, teach you anything. But even the Matthew who was saying it, was saying it in a limited sense. Me, who is saying it? I'm saying it in a limited, I said my mind is blowing. Now, but listen to what happened. He went to a ministry to see he boldly dressed up and went to a ministry of petroleum. No, Ministry of Works, because that time Zambia was just discovering petroleum, so they didn't have Ministry of Petroleum yet. So when he got there, he found out that some companies came to bid for oil blocks. Are you listening? So instantly, he created a company, went online on his phone, checked linkages with foreign exploration people, emailed one of them while they were waiting for the permanent secretary, emailed one of them, they responded favorably. He now included their profile. He now built a CV. Then he said, he read the application format, 10 pages, 10 copies, 10 of this, 10 of that, 10 of the other one. He went to a copy, I started downloading, producing and downloading, using the internet. He produced CV, company profile, everything. He went to the ministry's stationery, that is 
they are where they do their printing and he started producing it there. Collect envelopes from them, put it in 10 envelopes, packed it, dropped his tie, went into the office and sat down as a bidder. He got one oil block. Who told him what to do? Who led him in the interview? Did he get the oil block? Then from an unemployed man. Now he sponsors gospel, not just preaching. What he does is he uses his money. He doesn't like his name heard. He uses his money, buys farming implements, fertilizer, clothes for interior villages. That's where the evangelism is holding. Somebody else is copying him in Ghana right now. That's gospel. They'll go to Fulani dominated Ghana. You know how Northern Ghana. You know that's how that dominated area. They will now go, they will not preach Christ. They will just bring farming tools, build a borehole, uh, bring clothes, bags of food. People will be so overjoyed. It's four days. Four days. On the fourth day, they will run medical clinic, fifth day crusade, sixth day crusade. Then they will share the people into churches on Sunday because of their efforts from Monday to Friday. People have bought over the hotel. When they preach Christ, they receive them like that. Whole villages. But who led him? I, I just, I just, I was like this. I couldn't hold myself anymore. Because I suddenly understand. It's a very stupid thing I'm about to say, but just take it the way I said it. I'm not using the Holy Spirit well. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not using God well. No, but I want you to underline that statement. I am not using me, using God. The enormity of God's mind is blowing me. How can he, the Holy Spirit is the creator of the earth. The Bible says he was wisdom who was present with God the Father when he was creating Then he says he's submitting himself for me to use. I paused. Now I want to show you something. I want to ask you this. Why do you only refer to him when you're in crisis? Uh -huh. Think about it. You have never actually sat down. Pause. Pause. How do I get this done? Something else that is not crisis. And I want you to get what I'm saying. It's like having the inspector general of police eh, as your worker and you are calling him to catch a pickpocket mm -mm, that you're looking at too. You're looking at the pickpocket. But you pick phone to call Inspector General Police in Abuja. Somebody just stole my wallet. I'm seeing him now. I'm describing him. Mm -mm, that that didn't make sense. Let's let's come back. Let's. It's like having Dangote as a servant. Pay attention. Yes, that's the crazy part. God wants to be a servant. I will show you where it is in Scripture. It's like having Dangote as a servant. And you call him to say, I don't have rice to eat this morning. He owns a rice meal. 
and he's your servant. He didn't get me. That didn't make sense. Now I understand. No, no. Wait. It's like parable of the prodigal son. The owner of the property is following servants to go to the farmland. Mm. They get paid in property. He doesn't because he owns them. And he's complaining that he couldn't get the kid to do party with his his bread, his friends. Ah! And I remember what the man said. Do you not know? All that I have is yours. John 15 verse 2. Let's get crazy. John 15 verse 2. I think it should be verse 2. And he said, no, verse 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Now, do you know that the, the father of Christ is the Holy Spirit? Now, and he said, and my father is the husbandman. People have tried to make the husbandman look like one great word. Let me show you who the husbandman is. And another parable, pay attention. The owner of the vine came to a vine who was not, which was not bearing fruit. And he said, cut it down. And the husbandman said, so who gives instruction to the husbandman? The owner of the vine. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So he said, Jesus said, I am divine. We didn't really catch it. I am responsible for you bearing fruit. But when you want to be responsible, I'll leave you alone. Rot- roll. You didn't catch it. Rotate. Come back. Come back. Come back because this is making me uncomfortable. I am divine. You are the branches. My father is the husbandman. What does that mean? You see, this nonsense that Satan uses to, that's why I say he always comes in through the window. Ah, thank you for this revelation. That Satan uses to control you by telling you that your fruit is actually written here. Glorifies God. So he makes it your responsibility. Uh-uh. Yeah. Did, that, did that connect? We've been getting it all wrong. It's never your responsibility. It's God's responsibility, but only if you understand the principle. What is the principle? It is Jesus in me that will produce fruit, not me. One. Two, it is God's responsibility to make me produce fruit because because when I am producing fruit, they will celebrate the laborer. I don't think I have time for any other thing today. No, 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 you don't understand. It's not enough to imagine. It's not enough to configure a great imagination when you don't ask him to go and do it, when you don't release him, when you dwell on your mind, because even your imagination is even your imagination is limited by your own understanding. So when you rely on your own understanding, he can't go to work. You didn't get it. I, I now understand Joyce Mayer and many other preachers that the battleground was never what you see. It has always been in your mind. What separates God from you? Not that he left. What makes him sit down and wait? Is the decisions you take in your heart. And nobody is there, only you. 
Do you know that there was something I was considering when I was going home yesterday from Sabo? Why do? You know, when we pray, and I said pray in the name of Jesus, right? And we talked about, and if nothing happens, it's not your concern. Do you know that people do pray in the name of Jesus and attach their own reputation to the prayer? It didn't make sense to you, did it? Let me help you. You are praying for somebody who is sick. The reason you are asking what if it doesn't work is because you are wondering how the person will see you when they don't get healed. I'm talking about me. Fine. Nobody else. I'm the one. I'm talking about me. Do you know what gave me that impression? I taught a young lady who I love, very beautiful, amazing young woman. She's learning. No, I just love her as a sister. But the point I'm making is she's learning, right? Now, if, if you ask her to tell God to give you money, she will. And she gets the result. But only for like maybe up to 20000 so when she had to ask for two million, you see that thing we talked about one day. Hey, God, I'm so sorry. I I don't know how to continue in this dimension. You see, I'm speaking that rubbish language. I, why am I having problem believing this? Now, but listen to this. When it came to asking for two million, which she needed for something, right? Emergency at a deadline. She wants to pray every minute, every moment. Why? It is her own mouth I heard it to. She said, you know, and when the thing becomes like this, you wonder whether you have faith for it. <laughs> Did you get it? Funny enough, it's the same faith to receive 5,000. It's the same faith to receive 2 million. That's how God sees it. But why are you worried that he won't answer? Your reputation is inside. You attached yourself to it. No wonder Jesus said, whenever you're trying to preserve your reputation, you will lose it. Your reputation is your life. How would they see me? What if it doesn't happen? Hey, and I said, and I, did you hear that? And I, and I, no, God didn't say, you said. Whenever you call God into a situation, he goes to work. And I'm beginning to understand too, on my own part, if you have a small issue, I'll pray with you and I walk away believing it's already done because it's not me. But why is it that when it's a big issue, I want to think, I want to ask God. He did ask me, what is wrong with you? Did I ask you to pray and then come back and ask me about it? I said, no. He said, then leave it alone. I didn't know this was what I was learning. Do I make sense? And severally, this is what I usually do, confession time. If you come to me with any issue, I'm no longer afraid of issues. But if you come to me with any issue, this is what I do. While you are talking, I'm asking him, listen to this and tell us what to do. You remember how you open your mouth? When you are done, I open my mouth. Sometimes the instructions are strange. For example, somebody will be locked up tomorrow morning. And they run to you and God and they are talking. And you say, don't worry, go home. Go home and get locked up. What? He didn't say anything. But is there scripture to back the going home? Yes. It is in your returning and resting. Therein is your salvation. But of course, it doesn't make sense to somebody under pressure. 
But by the way, if you want to follow and listen to the Holy Spirit, try to understand one thing. He will never make sense. Did you underline the word? Never make sense. My life is just beginning. I didn't know anything before now. You don't need knowledge. You have him. And sometimes by what he tells you or speaks through you, you get the knowledge. But that is also the reason why, pause, pay attention. When preachers experience that kind of work with him, which they believe is occasional, they don't believe is always, most preachers, they don't believe that it's consistent. They believe it's under crisis. You will hear their, their testimony. And when I was in this, why must it be when you are in a crisis? Then they will not tell you what he said. Here is the stupid thing about that comment. You, the listener, goes away believing that that is the solution to a crisis resembling. That's why testimony is not that good. Tell generally, don't tell specifics. You will mislead people. When I talk about that, before Pastor Joshua came back one time, when he now came, he said it. Do you understand? I mean, I don't communicate then. As in, I don't tell him in detail. But I was shocked for him to say it. When you come to give testimony, go straight to the point. Don't mislead people, God said. They will not go away with the impression. It's, a, it's like if you have a headache, take parastamol. Are you aware of the kind of things that cause headache? That parastamol will not even attempt or come near it. But because somebody said, I had a headache, I took parastamol and it was gone. There's a general misconception. If you have a headache, take Let's draw the curtain here. We'll continue tomorrow. Father, I give you praise. I give you glory. Understanding is a gift. And we thank you. In all humility. Teach us to work with you now, not in crisis, but in advancement of great dreams. Thank you, glorious God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Ponda New for Friday. Abby, before we pray, can we go straight to John's chapter 1? I, I see God doing a gentle, quiet walk that is strange in its manifestation, but all the same, beautiful. James chapter 1, verse 8. James chapter 1, verse 8. A double-minded man is a stable in all his ways. Now, if you go back to verse 5, no, verse 6. But let me start from verse 5. It's quite interesting. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally. And obreded not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask him, feed nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Praise God. I started from verse 5 to give us a background. Let's take a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. 
your instructions come thick and fast and they are a blessing to us we give you praise it's a wonder and every day we're discovering how much you are interested in our lives be thou glorified forever in jesus name i had a rough night no light so it was quite rough at the time i didn't even bath well in the night because you know you get used to shower and then you have to pour water after getting used to shower the bath is not proper anymore <laughs> praise god lord i thank you because they will repair that light today so i can bath for shower amen so roughly around 4 a.m again i start having this i don't know what to call it anymore i was awake i wasn't even trying to sleep but i start having this where two of me is quarreling with each other none of us is winning at the time, while I was in that room, and my mind was separate. Is it then? I was awake. So my mind was separate. And I asked God, I said, which one of these decisions is right? He said, whichever you choose. Then I came out of it. I guess that was a lesson all along. Whichever you choose. So what is the problem? The problem is this, 90% of the time, when you come to God, the first thing you want to find out is, which one is God's decision? Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Verse five calls it, you think, you think it's wisdom. You think it's, it's not wisdom. That's not the wisdom. The wisdom is choose what is beautiful, amazing. Then I'll tell you how to get there. Let me start again. The choice will always be us. Let me give you a background. When the wicked choose evil, they don't go asking themselves, is he right? Maybe I should have mercy on the people. They choose, they choose what? And their mind tells them how to execute it and they succeed. Put it in the back of your mind and understand that whichever choice you make and you follow through, that is what will manifest. Then the question is, where and where do you make this choice? Is it only in prayer? No, in your life. You made a choice in your life. Where you are now, you made a choice. Why you are here this morning, you made a choice and you followed through. For example, I woke up and I was trying to gather myself. The thing wasn't working. I was in the bathroom. I was just finishing bathing. When you, of course, the bathing, I was thinking how to go and get the bath. Come on. I like I'm lazy and I like beautiful luxury of shh, so sweet and then i have to be chow and it's colder uh, so i was like lazy to get into the bathroom so i got there late anyway the point is you always make choice when it is good there's this problem we have naturally as human beings then as christians when it is good we keep wondering will it really Immediately you enter into that willy really, you are fighting yourself. When I just finished that and I was thinking before I got here, I saw a video and I clicked it on. And the young man was talking about the only time the army of Israel fought and lost. He said it didn't have to do with sin. They didn't sin against God in that one. Not I, where people, and 14 or how many people were killed. Mm-mm. This one, they fought 
people died and they lost the war. Do you know why? God told them that one of your tribes has committed great blunder and it's going to wipe them out and even give them instructions. Let Judah go first. I mean, the wisdom was there. Are you connecting to what I'm saying? I've not found the scripture. I know it's in before the early part of Judges. Now, wisdom was there. Let Judah go and fight. They went to that fight twice and lost. It was the third time they were able to subdue the people. Why were they failing? If the wisdom of God was there, why was why were they failing? No, I'm, I'm asking generally. I want to know. What do you think is the reason they were failing? Mm, first and second time. Nope. Why did they fail? Because the people they were fighting were their brothers. But the, even, the Bible says that they even went to the altar, to the temple, and prayed. Each of the, the times that they fell, they would go and pray, and God would tell them to go. I know. I just pointed that out, didn't I? Uh, uh, why did they fail? The people, the people that killed that man's wife. Yes. Why did they fail? They failed because they believed that those people were one with them. So in their mind, mm-mm. suppose it's never a part of it. There was an unconscious thing in them where they felt like they were killing themselves. Not just, it's not pity. They felt they were killing themselves. Now that's a physical manifestation of double-mindedness that works in you internally so that even if God's wisdom is available because you are fighting yourself, it doesn't work. God just helped me to listen to that because when he told me about being double-minded, here is how he even put it, see? Stop fighting yourself. You choose to fail or you choose to succeed. It is you God is interested in. Let me help you. Let me start again. Oh God, I don't know how far, how much I can take time to explain this. Whatever is happening, you choose it. When God taught me recently, not even long ago, I mean, I preached it, but you know, there's a difference between preaching what is in the Bible and actually experiencing what you are preaching. And when I began to understand that, it is your choice. How? Remember that statement I told you? We were arguing here. You were not around. It was Nene Oksu and two and favor Israel. We were talking about marriage. And I said, it's even better for a lady to see me the way I am now. Love me. So that tomorrow she doesn't get to run away. What will happen in that tomorrow? That was the question God asked me. Did I voice anything? No. Did I actually say anything physically? No. But he asked me, what were you thinking? And when I was honest with myself before him, I found out that what I was thinking was that all marriages have up and down. Why? Your experience. 
Exactly. Suddenly, we're replacing the word of God with what? Experience. Our experience. And you and you are transferring to the next generation. Things happen when you're talking to young women. That's what you say. Is that God's plan? Is it in the word of God? That marriage must be up and down? Mm-mm. See, only that thing is what God used to tell me. And that is what you usually do. If you are doing business, you are wondering what will happen in the days of um, scarcity. So the wisdom of God plans for days of adversity. He doesn't. Only you do. And is it not a, hold on, word, worldly business teaching? Why did you accept it? It is your acceptance that makes it what? A reality. It wasn't Satan. That day, what blew my mind was after I had that conversation with God, I spoke to them here that Thursday, if you remember. And then, yes! Oh, 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 God bless that man forever. He said, when you dream, Satan is playing a game on you. And you saw your family pursuing you, and he was he was describing general dreams that people have where and they, they were running and somebody was pursuing. He used that word just as an illustration. And he pointed out, he said, When you woke up, what did you do? You believed it. He said, It's not real until you believe it. It is your belief that gives life to it. Hold on, pause and listen. There is always going to be people who blame Satan. That's okay. Right? That's cool. But have you ever wondered why they pray about that Satan, about the matter, continuously? Hello? You bring them in a program where men of God gather and speak powerful words. Come the next program. Check the the people you see. The same people having the same problem. One day, mama told me, she said that the battle against the lineage and background, that it never ends. I said, okay, because Jesus is to continue dying. She stopped. She looked at me. She said, what do you mean? I said, excuse me, mommy. You've been saying this, and I've been listening to you. I don't argue with you. But I'm sorry, I don't agree. The battle against my background. What did the Holy Spirit come to do? I told her, I said, answer me one question. What was the failure of Peter? What was his lineage trouble? His name was Simon, a waverer. Today he wants to keep people who come against Christ. Tomorrow he wants to run away. That's wavering. And I said, after the Holy Spirit came, did he waver? Is the Holy Spirit of that time different from the one of today that will make me continue calling Satan's name and fighting lineage? She kept quiet. She was looking at me. And it was shortly before she died. I'm sorry. I got tired of hearing the same rubbish. Why do you think when I came to church and our sister cried out, Lord, how long shall we continue to pray? I said, but it's true. The same prayer. 
I wasn't, I'm not even here up to 20 years. The same prayer, Martin, come on now. You're older than me now. The same year in. And the man just explained it in a few minutes. People didn't even know I was excited that day. Have I not been seeing it? But nobody listens. Well, I don't blame them. I'm not GS. Do you understand what I'm saying? But this is the truth. This is what God is saying. It's not him. He cannot supersede your thinking. He cannot overtake your faith. He cannot spoil what you desire. Mark eleven twenty three. What so many people don't understand that statement. You desire to fail. God will give you the wisdom to. I'm not. <laughs> what I mean by that, forget that I say God. God will allow um, the failure with Satan, failure wisdom inside you to go to work, and then manifest as failure for you because that's what you chose. I'm sorry. This is not as if I have crossed. I'm learning. I'm making corrections. I'm adjusting. I'm refusing. Do you know that it has gotten to the point if you are preaching, I love you. You will even speak great wisdom. But immediately you inculcate that failure wisdom inside your message out to enough. I don't want to hear again. I'm not quarreling. I don't even, I will never even tell you. I'll come to your next meeting. But I'm preserving my soul. How can an innocuous statement like, she better know me now, like me now, in case tomorrow. Pay attention, I didn't put anything to it. Can I talk to you? I didn't attack. Eh, no, 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 wait. Who runs when everything is great? Let me finish what I'm saying before you start justifying what I don't understand. I don't know if you are getting me. Okay. Now, but here's the question. It was a very, very innocent statement, according to me. But I told them here, I said, let me tell you how God is always present. If you think any thought, the minute you think it, God saw it. Personal experience, I'm learning. So if you actually think you want to kill somebody, God, is he absent? For him to saw it, forgive my language, is he absent? I don't know if you are getting me. But the people get this impression that, that when they are thinking if God is absent, Psalm 139, he said, when I went to hell to make my bed, in the midst of thick darkness, your eyes was like light, and you were watching me inside hell. Something led David to write that. It, I mean, in his time, people didn't really understand the working of the Holy Spirit. Even the prophets don't know what they were saying. But this was a man who walked in the line between grace and law and enjoyed both worlds before Jesus came. That's why most times Revelation of New Testament is found in the writings of David. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And God said, Stop fighting yourself. What does he mean? You know, yesterday, when we finished talking about the Holy Spirit, I went home. The part that woke me up is this. Mm -mm. You don't call him only when there is a crisis. And when you are boxed into a corner. Must you continue? Do you know that? <laughs> Growing by crisis is like drinking Gary to grow. If you like, put me, put granite. It is still... 
eventually there will be losses in your system. When you, you see a child that grow like this and be behaving like plantain that is unripe. Why? Wrong diet. Then that word alone is judging me. Is he only by crisis? He's judging me. Why is he judging me? The God ordained for you to grow by crisis. Where is he written? When you hear the word chastise, it has nothing to do with crisis. He's telling you, I am purging you from thinking rubbish thinking. You know, when they read chastise, the only thing they think about is when you sing. Check the original meaning of the word chastise. It's the same meaning of the word purge. What is the meaning of the word purge? Used in, in John 15, he said, when ye bear fruit. He doesn't purge what doesn't bear fruit. Talk to me. Until you have a desire for your life to be an amazing one down earth, representing God. God has no business purging you. If you like sit in church and be born again for 40 years, you will go to heaven if you are really born again. Only God knows those who are born again. You will get to heaven. But when you get to heaven, come on, heaven has hierarchy. Are you with me? Maybe in your thinking, having a touch house is what will help you in heaven to live a better life. Me? I need cities. My thinking. Now, but why did God tell me this morning, stop fighting yourself? Sometimes, you know, I talk about the Holy Spirit. When you sit down to begin to imagine a glorious future, he will start giving you wisdom to follow it. Talk to me now. I just said that it's not true that marriage can have up and down. That's a thought, right? Now, if I now sit down, see what used to happen to us. You finish hearing me now. You go home. And you sit down to imagine a beautiful marriage. You're already in a marriage, right? Now, while you're doing that, what happens? It wasn't Satan. Stop giving Satan too much power. Matthew 16, he said, you are Satan because you subvert the mind of men, which means that the strength of Satan's attack on you comes from the carnality of the mind of a man. The lusts of the heart of a man. Satan didn't... Uh, we are the ones who taught Satan how to entice people, how to sin, how to lie, how to do everything. He now knows how to use it by pressing the right button. So stop giving him too much power. Let's rotate back to what I was saying. Are you hearing me? Now when you sit down to imagine and prayerfully imagine, I'm going to do that too. Now prayerfully imagine a beautiful marriage, a wonderful house, treasures, pleasure, everything, right? When you do that, your past experience will start speaking to you. Hello? Now, instead of continuing to imagine a beautiful life, which is how the Holy Spirit works, you start asking, why did this Igadaga? Wrongest statement ever. If you know why it happened, will you go back and change yesterday? Now, see the trouble with asking that question. Your heart and Satan will not start helping you to imagine what happened. You're already distracted. You are already distracted. Now, those things may be real, may not be real. Come on, you are the one who imagined it and it came to be. But now you are externalizing the blame, looking for who to blame. So what do you do next? You have forgotten your original intent too, that you want to pray for a better marriage. Talk to me, people. 
The next thing you do is that thing you imagined is the uh, yes, yes, imagined. Forgive me. I don't care whether you saw it in a dream or it manifested in a vision. Thank God for GS. Your your the many runnings of your heart is what brought it to pass. Now and you believed it. Say believe. Immediately you believed it. What do you do next? Factor. Mm. Every trap of Satan in this manner. Well, you are calling it into existence in your tomorrow. I was mentioning to you that I don't understand the recent trend of preachers talking about dimensions, things God put in his word to be received with faith without any excess language following it. You are now using language to bring it into people's consciousness. What do you think they will remember? Not what you said, the language you used. Suddenly, um, preachers who are reigning now are using funny, funny, what we used to call esoteric language, mystical language, dimensions, and when you climb higher. What, do you know the picture of when you climb higher? Immediately you gave the person the impression that for you to enjoy a certain grace of God, you have to qualify for it. But is it true? And you wonder why I tune off. Immediately you get to that point, I tune off because I'm discovering that God is not in that dimension. That, I hate that language suddenly. Beautiful word, but the abuse of that word is beginning to, okay, let me help you. There are realms. Hello. Which realm? There is only one realm. Believe God because of what he said when he showed you that was when you qualified for it which one is there are realms that you must come in hello another trouble do you notice all these um recent many preachers talking about marriages okay you're not on social media do you notice what i'm saying female male specialty marriage single suddenly god no longer leads anybody how do i know i came somewhere i at least they know i used to until last two weeks i did because started explaining something to me everybody's talking from their experience because any revelation god gives you has to sift through your experience God can actually tell you that, listen, if you just listen to me, marriage is amazing. Pause. Your experience, listen to me. If you go into marriage and you have not developed the ability to hear your experience, when does anybody develop ability to hear God? Are you aware that God is more interested in talking to you than you are interested in listening to him? So who does the work? That is why when a Christian, oh God, please pay attention to this. When a Christian says, you tell the person, go and ask God this question. And he said, but God doesn't talk to me. Excuse me, that statement has killed God. Yes, if it's possible. Because instantly, your declaration ended God's ability to talk to you. And they wonder why I attack it immediately. And I give you illustrations to help you understand. God is more interested in talking to you than you are in listening to him. Because some other Christians do one funny thing. Yes, I agree that you have to be quiet in your spirit. Hello? 
in order to hear God. So the perception now came that in order to be quiet, you either go to a mountain, go to a quiet place in your house. I was explaining to you yesterday, is there any way that can be quiet enough, like the Bible describes wardrobe, you must enter. The wardrobe is in your mind. You must understand that the meaning of that scripture is wherever you are, if you have an issue, close off in your mind and simply turn to God. Like imagine that you are looking at God, ask him his question, wherever you are, in the stadium, in the market. I have conversations with God everywhere. Why? Because I found out that God is more interested in talking to me than I am in listening to him. No, no. I went that way too. I'm looking for a quiet place. I went that way. But when God began to lead me to understand that, this has nothing to do with me because I found out that I'll go away for seven days, hear nothing. Then when I decide I'm done with the seven days, then he'll come and tell me, where am I when I said I was done? I was already walking up and down doing He'll come and tell me, now that question you asked, why didn't you tell me when I was quiet? Because if you are careful, when you acquire thoughts, and who is ministering to you at that time? Not God. Anyway, let's get back to the question. He said, stop fighting yourself. That is the, um, what do they call it? The barricade to the life you desire. It is, can I ask you a question? Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord your God. There is nothing too hard for me to do. Why is it that in your life you have things that are hard for God to do? Let me show you something. Um, 200,000 will solve your problem, right? As an example, 200,000 will solve your problem for now, just for now. Uh, and you turn to God and say, Lord, I need 200,000. Well, you may not pray like me. You may actually start in the night, pray till 3 a.m., it's a huge sum, according to your brain. Then from maybe around three, you go back to your prayer altar and ask God again for 200,000. Let me tell you what used to happen. If I come to you and I ask you for a red, that red toban, you have it, Navi, but you are thinking that you need to get home, wash it up. Normal human thinking, Abi. Now I asked you here. You said, okay. Now I acted like I didn't hear. Now, when you were going, and I called you on the phone, when you were living here, I called you on the phone, and I'm here. I called you on the phone. I said, please, you know I was asking for that red toban. Please, let it touch your heart to give it to me. But you already told me you would give me. What you were thinking was that, according to the Bible, don't give anybody a present until it is very clean. And you want to go, you don't know it's in the Bible, right? Now, you want to go home and wash it, iron it. That's what you were thinking. Or give it to the laundry man to prepare. Abby, so that it doesn't smell like you when you give it to me. Do I make sense? Then before you reach home, as you are entering, climbing your stairs, I call you again. You will endure with me because you believe my thinking is slow. You know, my brain is not working well. Now, but you are in the house, you are in the bathroom, you hear, you run out of the bathroom to go and pick the phone. And it is still me telling you, remember, please, you hear him talking nonsense. Be honest with me. Which level will you get angry? <laughs> Is it before you enter the house? Or when I make you wait now, when I make you run out of the bathroom, where, where will you get? Trust me, if it's me. By the third time you call, I will tell you, see, go to her. 
I won't give you. Leave me alone. Now, I'm not saying that's how God operates. Hello? No. I'm just giving you a human perspective. God forbid God cannot operate like that. But listen to this. God operates on your faith. What does he mean by your faith? When you believe you have it, that's when you have it. Whether you saw it in your hand or not. Now, you could ask for 5,000 now. Yuba, let me tell you a secret. You probably will pray more than twice. Because in your understanding, the level of your work and how much labor you are putting to the house of God, God should be able to give you 5,000, right? See where your problem used to start. When you now ask for one million and you don't believe you have worked with God enough or who labored for him enough to for him to give you one million. Then you start praying enough to make up for the lack of labor enough. And that irritates God. Here's the question. Come on, forget about me. Forget about what I'm saying. Just listen to this. You have prayed for years. There is no change. Either of two things. God is impotent or you are stupid. Forgive my language. Do you get me? Now you want to make up for lack of labor that you have not labored enough for God to guarantee. I make the same mistake. How do I know? If he didn't judge me and I made, I know I made that same mistake and he's chastising me. I can't tell you. That's why when I tell you, it makes sense because I'm there. Getting out of it, but I'm there. Are we together? Now, you want to pray and labor and uh, meet and make up. What is grace? No, 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 no. Teachers, preachers told you that grace only works for sin. What exactly is grace? Grace is makeup. Grace is what? Makeup. Do you know that the greatest grace exists where there is empty labor? You didn't get that part. Let me start again. The greatest grace manifests when there is empty labor. Why? Grace is something God put in place to exalt his name. How does he do that? When you celebrate grace, when you declare grace, when you agree it is about grace and you don't try to labor, you are exalting the death of Christ. But when you try to make up, you are telling God, Jesus died in vain. Grace is useless. Let me make up for what I'm asking you for so that you can give it to me. Let me also show you something that used to happen. That's why when you are praying, as an example, I want to use something tangible. When you are praying that, um, I don't know how to make this tangible so that all of us will catch up. And when you are praying that in your business, Lord, I want profit of 500,000. You eventually make profit of 45,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why? Because when you were asking for the 500,000, you were trying to labor for it. So God had to put grace aside and check your labor. The 45,000 was what your labor gave you. I think that illustration catches everything, right? Whatever, and, and please stop separating God from into two parts, what God can intervene in and what you must do for yourself. It is wrong. I preached it, but it's wrong. Do you know <laughs> that Jeremiah 2.27, what is it that will be had? 
When we were talking about the Holy Spirit yesterday, what is it that is hard? Do you know our problem? We want the knowledge in our head. You have a walking... A, let, no, that's wrong. Let me put it this way. God give you... Hmm? Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world. God gave you his ATM card. It's not yours. You see, that's the second problem. People think they can control God. No, it's not yours. You have to do things with reverence. You didn't work for it. But that card alone has access to billions. Wake up. Are you hearing me? Now, it is not your card. So when you went to buy half bag of rice, you comfortably brought out the card and paid for it. Right? But when you needed the trailer of rice, you started checking, is there enough money inside? So what I'll do is let me negotiate for the rice on credit. We have an ATM card. I know. I'm talking about it so simply. It's annoying. Yeah, I get it. But that's what we do to God. There is the Holy Spirit, paraclete, standing next to you, dwelling inside you, but you prefer to negotiate on credit. Do you know, most times the credit is human wisdom. What do I mean by credit is human wisdom? This is how we do this thing. If you want to succeed in this thing, this is how it works. At that very moment, you rejected the counselor. You didn't ask him. You rather prefer that since human wisdom works, let's follow this way. Confession time. We went for a meeting and people were talking about the programs they want to hold. And I didn't have anything to say. So when they were talking, I was getting riled up. I was like, okay, when I get back, I will sit down, craft something terrifying. While I was doing it, God kept me quiet. When I left that venue, I was going home. He said, who sent you? He said, listen, I only pay for what I send. I said, I hear you, but you see, they said, who said? My fellow pastors, not Kanamen. They said that the spirit of the brethren need to be gingered. The environment needs to know you are a living church. He played on me. I'm being honest. So he now said, who sent you? That's how the conversation started. So I explained. He said, well, how many people told the choir not to minister during weekdays so that some things can be shared with the people? And every day you are going during those weekdays, I tell you something different. And you share with my people. Okay, he said, because they've not come back to tell you what happened to them. You now assume that me who told you to go that way is stupid. I said, well, Lord, you know, I felt we just ginger the people. He said, choose. You want to go your way? on my way. 
No, not that he will abandon you on the matter, on that matter. You see, God is no human being who vexes with you on one matter and extends it to the rest of your life. No. God has issues with you on one, only one matter. That was the matter you brought up, right? Now, why would he be chastising me like that? Because I gave him access. I pray repeatedly, Lord, you see me going astray in any manner, call me back. Use whatever means necessary, call me back. But don't break my neck. No, I used to add that. Right? Because you'll be shocked. Some things that are stubborn in your head may need to have your neck broken to correct. Say, God, pony Satan. Are you understanding me? I said, don't break my neck. Unless your resources have been exhausted, which is impossible. Don't come and cause me pain because you want to correct me. Teach me and I will learn. Right? Do you understand me? And that changed my thinking because there is nowhere God cannot intervene. God bless Jesus. We went for our woman. There had been every prayer session we're praying for children. Are they changing? No, I'm just I'm just pointing. They're changing themselves. No, wait, thank you. That's how you got changed. Then let me hear what. Are you understanding me? We'll be praying for children. Yes, I don't have, so I don't know anything. The man came out at the end of his ministration. He said, "Listen to me. How did all of you get born again? You were terrible." Your parents were crying and praying. You were becoming worse and worse. But see the useless thing. And I'm sorry, forgive me. Parents will now go and take glory that it was their prayer that made God catch you. Why do you think he allows the children to frustrate you? Aha. Uh-huh. Imagine if I was God. You'd be in trouble. Me. I'll mess you up. Why do you think he allows the children frustrate you? Because you used to tell yourself that if they get born again, I prayed. Say, I prayed. You know that useless joy. Talk to me now. Why are we pretending this morning? You go away and you're like, I prayed. Yeah, wait now. And your husband got born again. I prayed. It was a worst pain. Look at your empty mouth with empty teeth. I fasted that. If you see how, ah. No, you won't come to the front of the church to share it, but it will be coming out in your nonsense speech. He said, where were you when God caught you? Did it take him years? Were they not forcing you to go to church and you were not listening? One day, say one day. God met you in a corner where even your parents were not there. Are you getting me? But that prognostication has been put across by preachers. That my children got born again because I prayed. Do you know how many preachers die in misery because their children, the whole world is celebrating them, but their children go to hell. Mm-hmm. And they prayed. Imagine. Only knowing that will teach Imagine. you to Imagine. keep. It's not just that one now. Several men and women, missionaries, preachers of currently today, I'm not talking of before, now. And their children are going straight to hell. In front of them. That's why I love Billy Graham. I can never forget that man. Three of his children were delinquents. One went and joined bank, bike gang. He said that one is the one we don't even see every day. So that we won't see him in six months. 
And when he comes, very rude and arrogant, he's a big boy. He's the preacher at his funeral. He's the one that preached at his father's funeral. He will enter the house smelling, walking in, looking for what to carry and go. He said one of the days, and it was confirmed. Um, what is his name? Aura Robots, Kenneth Copeland. They confirmed it. They came to meet him for him to minister to them and bless them. While he was talking to them, the boy came in. He said, excuse me, my son is back. I've not seen him for three months. Ah, my son, you are welcome. He hugged the boy. The boy, father, leave me alone. He said, amazing boy. They were looking at a delinquent. He was calling the boy an amazing boy. The boy went inside. The only person he, 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 he respects is the mother. Went inside. Finished talking with the mother. I was coming and grabbed some things here and there. He said, my son, please come home more. Did he judge him for what he was wearing? Did he judge him for the bike gang? You see, that man was so vast in scripture and God, he understood. If God doesn't save a man, you are talking nonsense. If you talk of, what's that his name? Jesse. Jesse said that the grandmom, he will hire. He was a rock band guitarist. He will hide, smoke. When he come, the, the grandma will be looking. He will enter the house. The woman will welcome him, give him food, and tell him, eat that food. You must serve God. She will fetch water for him to bath, help him clean up. I said, let me shave this nonsense. You are carrying God beard. He said, mom, don't, don't, don't try that. But she will always tell you, if you like, run from here to Timbuktu. Sure. You must serve God. He said, and I blame her today. That's why I'm serving God. <laughs> so the man finished talking and he said, listen, they didn't die. Everywhere they entered, people died. They did not die because God has a program with them. If God doesn't have a program with them, you can't force him. Do you know this man finished talking this thing, close for the night. We came in the morning. The prayer coordinator started, let's pray for our children. Hmm? That's when I knew the whole thing was messed up. No, 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 no. If I go for program, I can't say this. If I go for pastor's meeting, I can't say this. That's when I knew. Because you should come and further explain scripturally what the man of God said. But that man spoke by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. You, by the wisdom of your nonsense prayer canality. Sorry, forgive me. They were the same pastors. All the coordinators won't go for meeting at the same pastors. You came and led us in one and a half hour of prayer for children. My sister sat in the chair. I was praying other matters. I won't lie. I'm confessing it online. I sat in the chair. I didn't stand. And I was praying on them. Something's brought me there. So I was settling my matters with God. You people go ahead. I heard God in the mouth of a man of God. You now come to take one and a half hour of my time. Praying what I don't understand. And that has always been the genesis of the problem. That's why people have issues with him preaching now. Imagine we went for a meeting and a pastor said that the GS um, messages that the spirit of brethren are becoming cold. And he's advocating that charismatical, they should be handed over to the pastor so that they can pray all that they are ginger prayer. 
Because the spirit of the brethren is raised by jinjin prayer. Ignorant, empty prayer. Pause. Which hearing? We're having our own private meeting. It was a suggestion. But here's what I'm here's what I love. Jesus said, No way. Nobody's stopping me. You do what you want to do. Nobody is stopping me. Come on. The man's messages are a blessing. I don't even understand people. I don't want to preach. I want a man to preach forever. I don't want to preach. Do you know? People don't get it. You are hearing from somebody who has worked with God for 45 years. He has done what you are doing now. And he has found that it doesn't pay. And the mumuness in your brain is telling you that you want to go and shout to people. Do you see, Not interested. Do you have understanding? He said, stop fighting yourself. Stop. The prayer is, Lord, teach me to be one-minded. Mama has preached it. I don't need to preach it again. Teach me to be one-directionally minded. Let me not speak to you, then speak to myself, canceling what I said to you. Was that not part of what I said yesterday? Praise the Lord. I need to draw a line here. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May you never stop correcting us. Please. No matter what, Lord, never stop correcting us. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Ma. I've not greeted you today. Came in and started talking your home. Welcome to Ponda New. Yesterday's class was suspended. I woke up feeling like a log of wood beaten by several people. So I told my, that was 4 a.m. I was telling myself that if I wake up and I feel good, I'll come to the class. But when I woke up, <laughs> I told myself, don't insult yourself. Stay in this house and don't go anywhere. I didn't cross my gate till this morning. Ah, no, 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 no. No wonder God instituted rest. Anyway, that's another story for another day. Praise the Lord. Let's take a word of prayer. Father, thank you. In days past, I began to recollect this morning. In days past, things came upon us. We looked upon you and it seemed as if you were not, I don't know, ready or not answering. But right now, those things that pressed us seem to be far away from us and inexistent. And it is all you're doing because you are able to do what you said you would do. Thank you forever in Jesus' name. This morning, we want to consider a certain word. Watch it this way. Placement. Placement. Um position, office, mindset, whichever English, but placement, that is to move from here to here, from, let's say, private sector to public sector, or public sector to private sector. Something a man said, I'm going to read the scripture, but something a man said on Saturday morning, Made sense to me. 
He said in the book of Judges, the angel that met um, the father of Samson went and waited for him in the field. Because at that point in time, that's where he was supposed to be. Now, pause. I don't do all this dimensional mystery teaching. It's not my concern. Are you understanding me? He said, but when the angel waited, he went looking for the man. Do I make sense? At that time in the morning, normal Jewish man is supposed to be in his field. So he went there to wait for him. Bro was at home connoodling with the wife. I think an angel visited me. So the angel went back to look for him in the house. Are you with me? Then I had an encounter several, well, not several years ago, about four, five years ago. And I woke up, like, in that encounter, I came out to the gate of pastor's house. And I saw an angel at the junction of that shop. You know that shop on your way from your house? That Calabar woman shop. That road at that junction. Asking somebody for my address. Where I'm standing was not my address. You didn't get it. There was an address on the paper belonging to me. And I believe it is where I am now, actually. But the angel was asking, and I knew he was asking, but where I was standing is like impossible to reach the angel. Then the, forgive my language, the coconut head that was giving him direction was sending him to Filoro. I am not implying that visitation is location-oriented. That's not what I'm saying. Please, just forget the example and listen. Location is, I mean, visitation is not location-oriented, but position-oriented, position. Position can be in location, can be in thinking, can be in time. You see, I, I always say, and I will not take it back, there's nothing like appointed time. There is that you matured. There is that your thinking came to where God wanted you to reach. Then he gave you what was yours all the while. That is why God, who is not inhibited, contained, limited by time, will speak a thing in present tense. And you may not even see it for 10 years. But if you study the life of Abraham, you will understand that <clears throat> positioning is everything. One. Two, including in the mind. God waited for Abraham to have the mind to produce Isaac. First of all, when he did the first time, his wife was not ready. Oh God, may you learn not to travel without your spouse in understanding. The wife was not where he was. So that delivery at that time produced an Ishmael. So, but God saw that mm, I'm having problem with this woman. So, after, come on, that visitation was not necessary. He was going to Sodom and Gomorrah. But I found out that God has a way of using one angel to do many tasks. It's written in Daniel, the book of Daniel, but that's not the teaching for today. 
So the angel carrying the name of God had to go and visit Abraham. Hello? But not for the sake of Abraham. Abraham is always hospitable. It is the nature of desert dwellers because preachers will want to, you know, come on. They'll quote Hebrews and tell you in entertaining strangers. Go and entertain strangers today. Kidnappers will carry you. Try to understand. Are you getting me? It was the nature of those days because people traveled long distances. So anybody who comes here and you're able to give him water will deeply, deeply appreciate it. But the visitation was for Sarah. Why? Sarah was not agreeing. And as long as Sarah is not agreeing, it will look as if the word of God will not come to pass. The point I'm making is, God therefore can continuously intervene to make sure that that which he declared over you comes to pass. That comment alone is enough to stop your toiling and sweating. I was talking to a group of people. I don't know whether it was in this church or where. <clears throat> and I said, when God declares a thing, it is his business to make it happen. You and your, forgive my language, us, because sometimes when I say you, it seems as if I'm not involved. Us and our coconut-headedness cannot prevent him from fulfilling his word. If he has to bring an intervention like an angel, he will. Because some of you have prayed. Lord, what am I not seeing you, my dear? Let me show you two things. In the book of Job, the Bible says, and when God tries to speak to a man and he's not listening, then while he's asleep, he'll send an angel, which means uh -huh, your strong-headedness is why an angel is necessary even if it is when you are sleeping. I do remember telling you, growth means that if you begin to obey, transform, you don't dream. But if you are listening already and you have a dream, God has been trying to talk to you and you're not listening. Did you get me? There are two parts to the story. God talks, you listen. There is always the second part. Are we together? Now, I'm doing a lot of juxtaposing, but the point I'm making is visitation is position-oriented. Position whether by location, position whether by mindset, position whether by, um, what did I call it? There's three things I mentioned. Do you now understand what I'm saying? Because that is the message for this morning before I go into what I want to talk about. Let me explain it to you. I said to somebody, your words don't make sense to your current environment. It was something, it was something God said to me. Are you understanding me? One day I was talking to God, do you know what he said to me? He said, your words don't make sense to your current environment. There is an environment where your words will make sense. Think about it. I have a lot of things on my mind, but I'm struggling to present it. Not struggling inside me, I'm not. I just dish it out and allow it. I don't pursue it. If it belongs to God, he knows how to work with it. I don't actually press on anything. I never do. If I dish it out, if it belongs to God, he knows what to do with it. Are you getting me? But 
basically the point is it seems as if there is no feedback no good feedback no reward are you understanding because there is a location it could be in my mindset remember i told you i said i can't live here you even opined it one day i can't live here until i become who i'm supposed to be now becoming can also involve your mindset there are things god is correcting in my life that is scaring even me i'm beginning to wonder why have i been operating in this way so my limitation not yours all of you are sanctified and holy my limitation has always been in my mind you see when i say people quarrel with it so i'm not too keen on pressing the matter but your life is exactly what you program you have creative ability now let me show you a secret when you hear creative ability the first thing you want to do is carry pieces of paper fold it what it happened to me if it didn't happen to you you are holy fold it and begin to call it money how about that oh you guys are all holy well me i was never when i was young in faith i caught newspapers i started praying on them the, what is biblical the bible said that satan said to jesus turn stones to bread so if he turns stones to bread i can turn newspaper cuttings to maybe that was the origin of the nine idea and you know all that do you understand me no but forget my example we do it we do but that is not how god works when your mindset grows you get to that point then another thing we do is that time you know i was in my uncle's house not born again but just going to church right and she will spray where do you think i knew the wickedness women do spray food on a flat plate and give you and i was growing by then 16 15. i needed all the food i could get maybe that's why i didn't grow tall enough but she will now spray the food hello and we totally we breakfast by maybe one two dinner by 11. Is it not when the spirit moves her to cook that we eat? So spread that food. Are you getting me? Do you know that when I'm praying grace on it, I used to look at it and say, and Jesus cost two loaves of bread and five fishes. Now you must multiply and feed my stomach. I'm praying. I will eat it and still be hungry. No lies. I will eat it and still be hungry. Are you understanding? Now, on the basis of that, all that was growing up, but my mindset had not changed. There are things that need to change here. So one of the days, I came back from crusade, and I was wondering, you know, the things I heard, and I was like, Lord, you said this, you said that, you said the other. What should the man pursue? That's how Matthew 6.25 came into effect. It's hard because the mind has not changed. But Romans 12 verse 1 says, do not be conformed to this world. Do you know that if God is to judge on the basis of confirmation to the thinking of the world, I'm looking at all the Christians going to hell. 
Now, but why would they go to hell? Because they refuse to accept that the basis of their salvation is Jesus, not their good works. Then, when you explain it to them and they feel guilty, they will tell you, but you have to do the good works to prove to God. Did you hear the word works in that statement? You have to live a sinless life. Listen, if God does not cure sin from your life, you can't stop sinning. I won't argue with anybody. But I'm reliant on God to cure me from sin. It makes you humble. You never open your mouth to say, because even those who continuously barrage us to live, uh, let me quote the word, you're a Christian, you should never sin. Now, even though, well, what? Relax, you have understanding. Now, even those who make that comment, they cannot tell you that they don't sin. They sin. Maybe they don't call the one going on in their mind sin. But God calls it what? Sin. Okay. But God can, not God can, God does when you fall on him. Because, like I said on Sunday, if you take thought, God will not take thought. Whatever worries you, God cannot worry about it. Are you understanding me? Anyway, bringing me down to today's message. Basically, what I just shared was basically for yesterday. But bringing me down to today's message. Identity is what guarantees access. But... Well, let me look at the scripture. Praise God. John chapter 10. From verse 23, 22. John 10 from verse 22. Let me read. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not the works that I do in, that, in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pick them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of these works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself... Pause here. Before I read the next verse. You and you and me will dodge at this point. I didn't say I was God. Though. How can I say I was God? 
I did not say so. I mean that me and God think the same. You will start explaining what you said earlier. But listen to Jesus. God bless Jesus forever. 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. If he, you will notice a small he. Who is he referring to? No. He's referring to David who wrote that psalm. If he, small he, called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture, may you learn this comment, and the scripture cannot be broken. Say ye of him whom the father had sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the son of God. That's all. Your Christianity of morality will never excite Gentiles. Did you hear that word? For your good works were not stoning you. All your good works will never trouble the Gentiles. It is your name. I take a pause here to explain something to you. Why is the government of Nigeria systematically decimating Christian populations? Many of them are not even born again. They just bear Christian names. So why are they being killed? Because of their name. That's all. Do you know that in the North, if you want to get something important, even admission, if you don't change your name, you won't get it. Some states in the south, 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 I mean, southwest also do the same thing. One day, a doctor was treating my uncle's daughter. What was her name? Fatima Omokoro. We started interviewing her. Why are you answering Fatima? You look like a Christian. She said, I am a Christian. She said, I had to change my name to get admission to read medicine in Unimed. That's the school I went to. What were they targeting? They were not interested in whether she's a practicing. You see the fury, the foolishness in that comment. As far as she's concerned, she's still... Did you get me? But she changed her name to get medicine as a course to read. What were they interested in? The name, not the practice. One of my very close friends is from Southern Borno, and in Southern Borno, three out of five people are Christians. Two are Muslims. What that means is you could have a family of nine, six will be Christian, three will be Muslim, same house. That is why the northern Muslims there don't regard southern Borno Muslims as real Muslims. Just like in Yoruba land where you could have five people in a house, three are Christians, two are Muslims. 
So the northern Muslims don't regard the two Muslims in the southwest as real Muslims. Now pay attention to this. She told me a story. We spoke two days ago. She said that one of her friends, a Muslim, met a woman all of them grew up together with, working in one MDA of federal government. And within two weeks, they gave her employment. Not 10 years ago, this year, in February. And she started receiving her salary in July and posting. As she was posted, they paid her five months salary at once. No shishi, no couple spent. Then another fellow from the same zone got wind and went to her and she told the person, right now they are not employed. Be listening. Later, that woman told her younger sister that under this government, if your name is not Muslim, that they won't give you employment. Did you hear it? That one was a direct friend of this one from the same area. She now told her and she related the thing to me. I said, but we grew up in Medugri, it's not new. She said she knows, but it has never been as bad as this. There was a recent, somebody sent me a picture of advert for a job in a do state, federal job. He said, but the person must be a Muslim. Make sure he's a Muslim from this zone. So the Christians in that zone will never enjoy employment. They did it to us. We applied for medicine. They wouldn't give it to us because we are not Muslims. I said, I, in the exam, I scored 13 over 15. One coconut head scored six and a half over 15. That's less than half of the score. So basically, it's in the 40% range. Do you know the course they gave him? Medicine. Do you know what they gave me? Physics. And I don't like physics. That fellow, when he came out, they gave him a Sekai. I can take a one and cause yeah, yeah, I never say yeah, but the friends told me, you can get me to change my geology, Ebaka. People are struggling to get the geology with 14 over 15. He went back inside in front of me, no story, and came out with the yeah, change among I, Yabani geology. Nigeria is not a country, I'm sorry. But that's not my topic for today. You don't value your name. That is why you don't consider it important. Now, why was Satan using this government to decimate, or bandits rather, headsmen, whatever their name is, to decimate Christian populations? Because anybody bearing a Christian name can be saved like this. You don't understand. It doesn't matter that the person is not born again. Satan doesn't care. What is important to him is that as long as they hang around the church, 
they can get born again like this. So what does it do? Before the church is able to influence them, if I don't kill them, I'll send them back to witchcraft. No, I need you when you are praying to understand the evil going on. Are you getting me? But what did God do? (laughs) Sometimes I want to start shouting and singing on the road. What did God do? You know, sometimes when you hear of the wickedness of the world, you forget that God is more powerful than the world. That the Bible says, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Now, what does God do then? God has been going into houses, a mosque, converting men to follow him. If they tell you quietly, all these Kaduna not Malali, rich men, rich men's children, oh God, very wealthy men, influential men, their children are turning to Christ. Right here in Kaduna, in Abuja, their children are turning to Christ in a very funny way through social media, through downloads on the internet. They can download the Bible and just be reading. Nobody needs to know it's in the phone. And they are growing. No, the very same thing your church wants to fight is what is bringing salvation to them. Because even the Christians don't know the Christ they have and what he can do for them. God is busy harvesting children of the rich. Listen, the revolution on the road is not ordinary. There is another revolution that one is a sign of. And recently some people were like, that that thing going on in the east is not happening in the north. No problem. There's a strange revolution going on. And the children are learning that it is okay to have quarrel with their parents. You say in one house, two will be for me, three will be against me. This one will rise against this one. Why? What do you think will cause it? The gospel. And while they are trying to decimate churches, Christian population, Jesus is busy. He doesn't care about this story we talk about, church. What He's busy harvesting souls inside the houses of their street parents. Men now go to mosque, sit down, carry Quran, and are reading their Bible inside the Quran. And they go there, sit down. The whole thing is going on. The same way Iran assumed they were eliminating the church systematically, removing people from work, impoverishing them, locking them up. While they were doing it, the children of the rich were giving their lives to Christ and starting underground churches. Fellowships are happening online. You didn't hear me? Online. People will sit in the house and be doing prayer together with others. But the one we want to read and talk about is the one the enemy did. But this one will never enter the media. Am I talking to you? Why? What Satan goes after is your name. But ignorance is a disease. Why does Satan target the name? 
These people were already angry with Christ, but they never reached the point of carrying stone to throw him until he said, I am my father, I one. John 10, 30. I and my father are one. Do you have liver? You. Do you have liver? To tell your household, don't go outside. Only your household. Like you go for a meeting, you're having prayer in the evening. I say, listen, me and God are the same. Do you have the liver? Who sent you to judge a meeting? The reason you don't have the liver is because you know that in your own understanding, be like God is behavior. Did you meet God? Mm -mm. Answer the question. Have you met God face to face? So how do you know behavior? Okay, the Bible says, so he himself who said he's able to give you that behavior, it is God, Romans, that walketh, Philippians rather too, that walketh in a man, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if he has not walked, it is not manifest. But do you have the liver now that if you check your behavior, check your shouting, check everything, you're not behaving like God, can you tell your house that you and God are one? Do you even believe it? This is the confession he left for us. Do you believe it? On Sunday, I said, everybody has his own perception of God. To some people, he is Father Christmas. You know, you plan in January. It arrives in December. But when you are planning, you can't hear from Father Christmas. So you're like, let me just drop it there. If I see it, if I see it, then he heard me. If I don't see it, then he didn't hear me. Father Christmas. For some people, he's a prison. No, not prison. He's police. He's SAS. He's always checking when I fail so that he can punish me. And therefore, when I fail, I have problems. They are used to always describing their problems according to their failures. Could we pause for a minute? 